everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth, and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. I'm praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers. Welcome to another saunter. It's a chilly day out there, um, but nice and sunny. Hooray. Um, So today we're sauntering in Genesis chapter 11. So let's pray. Buckle up. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you into our homes, into our hearts. Lord, we want you to speak to us now. We want to be shaped by your word. We want you to perform miracles in our families, in our homes, in our lives. God, we just want to be right in there, living this day with you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Fran. Great to see you. Yes, it is a bit nippy. Uh, So today, chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. So now, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for water. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we become, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This is really interesting. So these guys, the, they have spread out. They've come to the land of Shinar, which is generally believed to be somewhere in the middle of kind of Mesopotamia or um Iran or Iraq or somewhere in that region. I'm not sure exactly. And uh, they found this plane and they said, come on, you guys. We don't want to just be anonymous. We don't want to just be obscure. We want to make a name for ourselves. Good morning, Dave and Sarah. This is really interesting. These people had, they were, it is generally believed that Nimrod was at the head of this initiative to build the city of Babylon and that he was behind the whole thing. But it's really interesting that even back in that day, they wanted to have to be noteworthy. They wanted to be celebrities. They didn't just want to be obscure, ordinary people. And they said, we don't want to just be dispersed either. You know, this we want to kind of be this great people that is well known and recognized and has left its mark in history. Well, they certainly achieved that one way or another, but they had this technology which was incredible and apparently archaeologists have found these brick kilns all over that region and, uh, you know, in the east that where they they fired clay 
and made bricks and they were obviously an incredibly easy material to work with because if you've got stones they're not no two stones are the same are they they're all different shapes and sizes you have to work them and get going on it with tools and stuff like that it's hard work but if you've got like lego bricks all the same size see they should have invented lego it would have been so much easier all of their problems would have been solved they could have had a great time Good morning, Fliss, and good morning, Pat and Mike, and good morning, John Sarji. Great to see you. So here we go. So they're building this, the this. they want to build this city, but also a tower. And we don't hear so much about the city, but it's generally assumed that the city was probably Babylon, um, and the tower was uh, to, they said, let's build... First of all, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, can I just say this? God is clearly not especially bothered about towers. There are a lot of towers, aren't there, in the world and they're impressive and they're fun. And some of them are all about demonstrating the strength and significance of the people. I don't think the purpose of building a tower has ever changed, but there was this moment in history where God was observing something that was going on in the hearts of these people. And he said, I'm gonna just mess this up enough so that they're not all destroyed, but I have kind of hindered their kind of arrogant progress. And I do believe there was something provocative about um, Nimrod and his mindset that God wanted to take action against but stirring up and confusing all the languages was a great way to go good morning great to have you with us um, Andrew you did a great job yesterday thank you for coming and so God God um, the Lord came down to see the city this is an interesting I love this language because you never really know whether it was Jesus kind of putting in an early appearance and walking on the earth in human form or where, or how it happened. But it says the Lord came down to see the city. It's interesting. Tim Upton will tell you that they the, the Jews did have an idea that there may be two Yahwehs. And they had this idea that Yahweh could appear and did appear at times on the earth. And so there was anyway, we won't get into that too much, but except that. Jesus, the son, has always existed. He hasn't always existed in human form. It was the incarnation when he was born to the Virgin Mary that he took on human flesh. But prior to that, we do see God appearing in the Old Testament in human form. And there is a lot of speculation as to whether that might be Jesus or not, putting in an early appearance. And anyway, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people. They all they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do will now be impossible to them. Now, people have made a huge kind of point out of this, saying that the power of agreement is such that when people come together in unity, they can achieve anything. That is a really, really interesting thought. And I think it's particularly true. Um, for people when we're where we're united in the Holy Spirit what can we actually achieve if it was hypothetically possible for um, for these people to achieve anything 
what could we achieve as children of God, full of the Holy Spirit, in agreement, not fighting and squabbling among each other over detail, but coming to agreement and rest, being kind of directed by the Holy Spirit in our enterprise, what could we achieve? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So here we go. So God says, this is only going to be the beginning of what they will do and nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So there you go. God's God's got a slightly mischievous uh, kind of sense of humour, I think. And I think this probably seemed like a lot of fun to just mess things up and cause confusion. So the guy's asking for the bricks and what comes out of his mouth is unintelligible. And his mate's like, what? what are you talking about? And you can just imagine the mayhem. And so the project never got finished. So here we go. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Now, um, the you can imagine, can't you, where like people started to find other ones who spoke in the same language as them, and they kind of teamed up, and they thought, right, we'll hang out together, and we'll go off over here, and we'll do our thing over here, and we'll leave this project. Apparently... Um, What's his name? This ancient historian. Uh, forgotten his name now. Um, uh, I wrote it down. Herod Herodotus. He wrote about the Tower of Babel. Apparently there was something still remaining. Um, and there was like this really high tower that had these um, different floors and staircases. And you could rest part way up and have a sit on the seat and kind of get your breath back but then at the top of this particular tower which may be the tower of babel it certainly seems to be referred to in that way um there was a chamber at the top of the tower with this massive couch and it was believed that the god whichever god it was and some think it was marduk came down and slept in this chamber on the top of the tower well, you can imagine that's not going to be um, good news to Yahweh. He's not going to cope with that. Jehovah, the Lord God, he's not going to be happy with people building these things. And so, but more importantly, it's that kind of arrogant human spirit that just says we can do anything. We're going to make a name for ourselves. Now, this is the really, really, really interesting thing that in God's eyes, we are significant and we are important. It's interesting as well that you come to the 21st century and you listen to the, the sort of um, ultimate wisdom of the human race and the, the kind of conclusions that we've reached about our identity and our destiny and our purpose and everything. And you listen to the greatest of scientists and all they can tell you is actually we don't have any significance on the earth. We're just here by accident, by a set of cosmic events that happened. And we're the we're the just the kind of result of that, really. And we don't have any particular significance, even compared to a lump of coal. We're just something we're a product of a process that's been happening without anyone supervising it or designing it and directing it and so 
right back then, the intention in the heart of the human race that the existing then was to make a name for themselves, but they follow, we follow that progression on through and actually we end up with futility. We end up with nothing. And Paul says their foolish hearts became darkened. Yeah, there is a famous painting, Fran, it's called the um, Tower of Babel was by um, Bruegel, I think. And yes, they reckon the EU building is based on it, which is also interesting. And lots of people have talked a lot about that. I'm not going to go down that particular rabbit hole today. Except to say, I just finished this thought that they, um, the futility of human thinking leads us into a godless universe where we ourselves have no significance. And yet Jesus said, I have given them, i.e. my disciples, the glory, Father, he's praying, he says, I've given them, that's you and me, I've given my disciples the glory that you gave me now that word glory there is esteem value reputation significance weight and god jesus is saying father i've given these disciples i've given this motley crew this bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and ne'er-do-wells i've given them the glory that you gave me how about it and so like when you look back and you think oh these guys they want to make a name for themselves by building a tower Actually, if we could just hold on and see that actually God's intention is to give us his glory. That's incredible. To fill us with his Holy Spirit. To transform us into his likeness. Wow. And so we see this kind of the human spirit striving to achieve something that actually God wanted to give us anyway. But when we go after it in this kind of way in the Tower of Babel, well, God, Babel way God says sorry that ain't how it's happening and messes it up and so we have the spread further of the nations around the world and actually interestingly God's purpose was always that the human race should fill the earth he told them to fill the earth not stay in one place then we get the same thing going on in Acts chapter 2 and from there on we see God pouring out his spirit on the early apostles his friends that after Jesus has gone back into heaven the Holy Spirit comes and fills this room of 120 people messes up their language all over again and yet this time he's having another kind of fun because he knows that the spreading out that's going to happen from there is going to bring the gospel all around the world and he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God's purpose is not only that human beings will fill the earth, but they'll fill it with his glory. They'll fill it with his spirit. And this purpose, I just love the, the kind of humour in this plan of God that he messes up the language back then and it just causes confusion it causes the spread of the nations around the world but then in in the New Testament he does the same thing all over again but it's with a redemptive purpose it's with a purpose to bring about his glory filling the whole earth and so now every continent you go on almost every town every city you visit not perhaps quite, but almost, you'll find people who love Jesus. 
even in countries where it's completely illegal to do that. And if they were found out worshipping God, they would be in a huge amount of trouble. Nonetheless, they're there. They're all in. Oh, it's amazing. And so God's plan is busy working whilst <laughs> whilst Satan's back is turned or whilst his attention is distracted. But it's really cool. So, um, so therefore, it says, verse nine, its name was called Babel. And that's where we get the term babbling from and obviously Babylon. And so from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the whole earth. Verse 10. These are the descendants of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpashad. Two years after the flood and Shem lived after he fathered Arpashad. 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arbashad lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. We talked about Shelah, Gurai Shelah. And Arbashad lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, this was a boy, not a girl, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. And the important thing about these genealogies is. God is dealing with real people. It's not just the human race. It's not just a vague, amorphous collection of people. It's individuals who God knows by name. And so this, this is really interesting, isn't it? The Tower of Babel, they say, let us make a name for ourselves. We only have by legend that it was Nimrod. But actually, God is keeping a record of people's names and pushing that out writing that down and we're talking about it now however many thousand years on from that time so we're talking about these people Sheila and Eber we don't know who they are particularly they may not have masses of significance to us but they are part of the story that God is telling which is so cool good morning Tracy Ann nice to see you yesterday so right when Peleg had lived oh hold on when Eber had lived 34 years he fathered Peleg and Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ru 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Serug. And Ru lived after he fathered Serug 207 years and had other sons and daughters. They're still living quite a long time, aren't they? When Serug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. There's some similarity in this, isn't there? There's some symmetry if you look at it. Um, when Ser uh, he fathered Nahor and Serug lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. These names we're going to remember. Nahor fathered Terah and, Nera li uh, sorry, and Nahor lived after he fathered Terah. 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, these are the descendants of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kin kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now that's the same area. That's all that kind of um, Iran-Iraq type of area. A very high level of civilization in the city of Ur. It was a really advanced city with high levels of technology and so on. And Haran 
died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah. <laughs> and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, this is where we're getting to. This is the point. So we could have had this little um, genealogy tagged on to the one in chapter 10. But actually God wanted to tell us the story of the dispersal of the nations and the, the kind of languages being spread out. And then he introduces us to the lineage, the genealogy leading up to Abraham. Abraham, who became Abraham, as we'll see, is the person who the promise of God came to and begins a whole new chapter. And this is a chap. This is not just a chapter of the Bible, but a whole new chapter of God's dealings with the human race. And it is to do with redemption, is to do with calling, is to do with destiny, is to do with salvation and all this stuff begins to be introduced through the family of Abraham. Now, when, when we read in Acts chapter 7, we hear Stephen telling the story and Stephen says that Abraham was called it when he lived in the land of Ur. And it seems, reading between the lines, that Abraham was called, but dad came along for the ride. And so it says here, Terah, that's the dad, took Abraham his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth from together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Now God had said to Abraham, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave the city you're in and go to a city that I will show you. But dad came along and they kind of settled somewhere in the wrong place and they didn't really progress very far. So the place they ended up in was called Haran, which is which means barren. And it's kind of like, yeah, they got started in obeying God, but it didn't really they didn't go all the way and they got kind of stuck. And they ended up in a barren place. It's interesting that Sarah, Sarai, Sarai was barren. She hadn't managed to conceive, which was a huge sadness and disappointment to her. Um, people say some there are some uh, interpretations of her name. One one is that it means contentious. Actually, it seems to just mean the same as Sarah. It means princess Sarai, but God changed it, and that comes up in couple of chapters. So here we have, we're introducing the next set of characters in our story who are going to take the story of redemption, the story of God's plan for the human race to the next level. And it starts by God calling one man in a pagan city. Now, Abraham didn't have a Bible. He didn't have Jesus. He didn't have prophets and all that kind of stuff that we have. He was just one guy living in a highly advanced, highly sophisticated pagan city. 
and somehow God called him. Isn't that incredible? And then Abraham becomes the guy who carries forward this torch of faith. And he, we consider him the father of our faith, even now, all these thousands of years later. So it's so exciting that God can call even into the chaotic confusion of pagan civilization. He can put his hand on one person and call him out and say, I've got a plan for you, my son. I want you to leave this city and come to a place I will show you. But we're not there yet. <laughs> and I'll let you know when we get there. Listen, you guys, God has called you to carry forward his purpose of salvation for the human race. He's called you to be one of those people who carry his glory with you wherever you go. May God bless you and smile on you and may you carry his glory with you every minute of the day. In Jesus name. Have an amazing day you guys. Nice to see you Tara. God bless you. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Uh, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.